What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Excited to have you guys here. Thank you so much for being here. Hopefully these quick little five to seven minute curbside consults are helpful and you're learning little bits of digestible tips, let's call them, about finance every single day. Maybe just distract you from all the other stuff that's going on. Well, I appreciate you guys being here. And today's curbside consult is really talking about some of the interesting considerations when it comes to your non-governmental and your governmental 457Bs. And some of you may have governmental, some of you may have non-governmental, or maybe no 457 at all. But I think we need to talk about the distinction between the two and then answer this anonymous listener's question. Which reminds me, before we get all nerdy and jump in, you know, I want to answer your questions. So you can email them to me, ryan at financialresidency.com, or you can leave me a voicemail at financialresidency.com slash question. Our anonymous listener says, thank you so much for your podcasts. I'm in residency as well as my significant other who is graduating this June. I have a follow-up question to your recent curbside consult. Yay, at least one person's listening about 401k rollover rules. I'm just kidding. She has about 15000 in governmental 457B from residency. Are there any unique considerations about moving this money to an IRA or an employer or solo 401K? Or is this essentially the same as if her money were in a 401K? Is there any option that avoids the tax hit apart from leaving money untouched? Half a year of attending salary will presumably translate to a hefty marginal tax rate. Thank you, an anonymous listener. Well, the good news is that you're going to be off making attending money and more money is always a nice thing. And to have that salary here while some of your other peers aren't necessarily getting pay cuts, fantastic option to be in. And I'd be super thankful for that. With that, half a year of attending salary may result into a higher tax rate, of course, but having a full year of attending salary will, will translate into probably a much higher tax rate, especially if you're both attendings and making good money in pretty good specialties or fields. So to go over really quick, a governmental 457, just high level on this, is actually held in a trust and non-governmental 457 plans are not held in a trust. So that means that if your money is in a governmental 457, like it is for our listener, you're not going to be exposed to the creditors of your employer. It means that if they go bankrupt, that you then fall behind other creditors in basically a line to get the money that you've deferred from a compensation standpoint. Whereas governmental 457s, being in a trust, you aren't subject to that and that you are essentially protected. And of course, these are when we're talking about governmental 457s. Basically, your eligible employer is going to be a state or a local government or a political subdivision, right? And basically, <laughs> the tax exempt 457s, but non-governmental is basically any employer that isn't a state or local government or a political subdivision. So when you've got a governmental 457, you have a lot of really cool options because you actually can roll your plan out, is eligible to be rolled out into a 401k, a 403b, another governmental 457, or IRAs, whereas your non-governmental 457s can't actually be rolled out into those. And the distribution rules on non-governmental 457s, they differ across the board and you really, really have to dig into this because these plans are unfunded in the sense that your employer does not have to set aside money to pay for those liabilities in the future. Now, if your governmental 457, you're backed by the government and I'd say you're pretty fine there, but 
or non-governmental ones, you're basically a creditor. And who best to tell you this language than the IRS? So I went and pulled just their direct language and it says non-governmental plan assets are not held in a trust for employees, but remain the property of the employer available to its general creditors in the event of litigation or bankruptcy. Employees are lower in priority than general creditors in the event of legal claims against the employer. So that is really, really important because pre-pandemic, even institutions that we thought were very strong, rock solid, when you strip away all their elective procedures, they might not be as steady and strong as we thought they were fiscally and financially. So before you start throwing in a whole bunch of money into your 457, first understand, is your company going to actually be around? Is your hospital going to be around? Is it going to make it through this or not? Hopefully everyone's hospitals do, but that is something to really think about. And then definitely look at the distribution options. The default distribution option, just for the non-governmental 457, just so we're clear, is really it's a lump sum within 60 to 90 days of severance from your employer. And usually they offer more than one distribution option, but that's probably the default. But realize that this distribution decision that you make is irrevocable. You can't change it. So if you've got 60 to 90 days, it means that you've got to get all your tax deferred salary reported on your W-2 in a single lump sum in a single year. And that would be a huge tax bill. It's not going to be pretty. So looking at your distribution options is really, really critical. And that means that tax planning is actually really important for non-governmental 457 plans. Coming back to the original question now that we've got a good kind of basis of what this was, because I feel like if I didn't say that, this question would have been maybe a little hard to understand. With the non-governmental, you've got the options to roll it out to your IRA, your current employer or solo 401k, or you can just leave it there. And it really depends on the investment options. It depends on a number of things. This is also kind of a loaded question, but realizing that if you move it out to an IRA, please don't leave it in a traditional IRA because that will block you from doing your backdoor Roth IRA contributions, which you should be doing. Both of you should be doing. If you've got another 457, governmental 457, you can roll it into. That is very different, but please don't roll it into a traditional setting or a tax deferred setting in your IRAs because it will block that backdoor Roth. I think if the investment options are perfectly fine and you don't have a place to roll it out, it could be perfectly fine to leave it in a governmental 457B. Those are usually fantastic plans with decent investment options. If for some reason your investment options stink or they're expensive, that becomes a little more complicated. And then I would look into maybe moving it out to maybe your employer 401k in time to make things simple, right? We've talked about having things simple, organized, not having tons of accounts and tons of different custodians or different bank accounts. This is one case though, I would say it's not the end of the world if you want to leave it there, if it has good options. So hopefully that was a little bit of education on 457Bs. I know this stuff can actually get super tricky. So I want to do a deep dive into the 457s and what non-governmental and governmental plans would look like. I will see you guys tomorrow. Stay safe and thank you for all that you do. You're appreciated.